Hey all you cool cats and kittens, it is day 175 of quarantine, and yes, I did watch Tiger King, and everything else on Netflix. I am so bored, I don't know, there's a lot to consume, and I'm consuming it all, and I'm, I literally have the flash paused uh, right next to me, and I decided, let's record a podcast episode, because I haven't done that in a little while. Hey everybody, this is a better start. Um... How are you? This is a podcast. Nope, this is a one-way street. Um, where was I going with this? That's right. So, I have been trapped in quarantine, um, as is uh, my duty to my fellow man to flatten the curve and try not to uh, endanger or kill anyone. Uh, apparently, that's a difficult choice for a lot of people. Um some people don't get the choice. They have to work. They're essential workers. Thank you very much to the delivery drivers, the truck drivers, the medical professionals, uh, grocery store clerks, uh, everybody who's uh, basically doing what they have to and uh, keeping this country alive. Uh, much appreciated. I, 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 I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Um, where was I going with this? That's right. I wanted to rant into a microphone for a bit. Because I hadn't. And that was because, man, everything's just so serious. And I thought we could go ahead. I think we can all benefit from a little bit of levity. And so I'm going to tell you why I like superhero comics and stories so much. I was thinking about it. Uh, I just um, finished... Season 6, I think, of Arrow last night. Uh, not a lot of work going on, as you can imagine. So, uh, watched all of that. I'm about halfway through... Yeah, it looks like halfway through The Flash. Um, I'm eight episodes into Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow, so that I could watch those crossover episodes. And that's what I'll be picking up after I'm done with The Flash. But, um... I was really struck by something. Um, both these seasons are dealing with... Uh, they both basically have a, a through line of um, their respective heroes, Green Arrow and Flash, going through uh, the justice system for um, crimes they did or did not commit. Um, spoilers ahead, I suppose. I should have said that at the beginning, but I'm saying it now. Uh, <laughs> um, for uh, season six of... Arrow and season four of Flash. Um, I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Uh, but basically, both of them are going through uh, the justice system. Um, both of them are on trial. And um, I was thinking about how it's... I don't know. It could be said that maybe it's a little lazy. These seasons came out at the same time. That both of them are dealing with similar issues at the same time. But I doesn't feel lazy. Both of them are approaching it in completely different contexts. For one thing, um, in the Arrow, spoilers again, gonna say it again, uh, in Arrow, um, if you haven't watched the show at all, uh, in the beginning seasons, Oliver Queen, who is the Green Arrow, I already told you, spoilers, and that's the easiest one, so like, you should have known that by now, um, killed a lot of people. Um, he was really like, you know, Batman-esque, not doesn't work. Um, Zack Snyder, Batman-esque. And so he just killed people a lot with a bow and arrow. And then, like, somewhere around, like, I don't know, halfway through season one, maybe season two, he's like, it's wrong to kill. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, thank you for coming to that realization, Ollie. Um, <laughs> and um, 
in The Flash, uh, I won't go into spoilers too much there, but basically uh, he's on trial as well. Uh, he never killed anyone, um, but uh, for different reasons. And um, it could be seen as lazy. It's like, oh, wow. They, and, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the producers and creators on these two shows. But um, I, 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 it could be laziness, but it is kind of baked into superhero narratives as it is. And uh, it got me thinking about why I like superhero narratives and sci-fi like this and everything like that. And so I thought I would talk about why it is I like those things. Um, Because um, I think it would go a long way to, um, one, explaining myself and how I operate um, as a human being, excuse me, but also um, maybe in the... I don't know, I'd like to talk about something that I like and why I like it. And I think maybe I might be able to encourage you to like it. (laughs) And if you don't, um, maybe you'll at least be able to see a little bit of value in it. Um, You know, uh, I I always have... um, I learned uh, this week that uh, my old professor, Dr. Van Voorhis, listens to these episodes. Um, And uh, I always have... Doctor, in the back of my head, um, something you taught me in our critical thinking class, which was um, one of the most important things is the ability to explain why you like something. Like, it's not enough to just go ahead and say, I like these bands, but to go ahead and say, like, I like these bands because this is what they do with their melodies, or I personally like um, electric guitar. I don't know anything about music, so... um, I'm going with his analogies because he's a music guy. He really likes music. I don't. I don't do music. I'm. I'm woefully unprepared for such topics. It's quite laughable, really. My girlfriend is a musician, and um, every time she introduces me to her groups of friends, all of which are musicians as well, they're just like, "Oh, what do you play?" And I'm just like, mm, "Nope, I. I don't do that. That's not my wheelhouse." <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to go ahead and talk about why it is I like what I like about superhero stories and fiction. And um, I guess sci-fi kind of in general, if we're going to go ahead and matrushka doll this, um, sci-fi um, superhero fiction kind of thing, like a little through line there, little Venn diagram. You kind of just like what you like. That's how things work. You're just like, oh, I like this thing and I will partake of it more but then as you partake in more things maybe you're um, an introspective person and you start to see the through line maybe somebody else points it out to you Um, I've been blessed to have many friends who are just like tell me things that I maybe didn't notice about myself that's the fun thing about outside perspectives you need them (laughs) there was a point where uh, I remember somebody was just uh, this was many years ago probably uh Five years ago, perhaps? Yeah, that sounds close to right. When somebody's just like, hey, what uh, media have you been consuming? And I was just like, well, I just watched Making a Murderer and The Jinx. I just listened to Serial, season one. And there was like one other thing. And then saying them all out loud, grouped up, and I was just like, huh. I really like uh, partaking in media that reveals how much our justice system fails. About how... In the case of the jinx, rich guys can go ahead and just get off scot-free. In the case of making a murderer, poorer class people can kind of just get swept up in a whole bunch of um, corruption. 
uh, and uh, crap like that. Uh, Serial is very much about uh, you know a murder that happened in the 90s uh, that um, this kid went to prison for. But you know the the case very much or the the podcast very much talks about and kind of reveals that it was a probably a very uh, weak case and probably was strengthened by a lot of um, anti-Muslim racism at the time. And um, it wasn't until then, like, just looking at that little bundle of things that I was enjoying, just using my spare time to go ahead and partake in and able to enjoy, honestly, um, or at least uh, find edifying, uh, that I realized that, like, oh, I guess this kind of goes with a through line of superhero comics. Um, They reveal... I believe a lot about justice. Um, you know, the, it, it can be a little uh, facile to go ahead and uh, point that out. You know, sup- what I find valuable about superhero comics is it reveals things that I have found strike a chord with me in a way that other things might not. Uh, the things I find valuable, the things that make me Richard Doom, Richard Doom. I see in my media diet. I see in the things that I seek out and the things that I will continue to watch episode two and three and four instead of just stopping at one. So uh, I I went ahead and uh, typed up a few notes. Bear in mind, um, I am quarantine crazy and um, I've been staying up late and watching a whole bunch of superhero shows. And so (laughs) take all of it. I also started drinking. Happy Easter. It is not Easter. It's a week after. But isn't every day Easter when you think about it? (laughs) Uh, I went ahead and typed up a little bit of a list of uh, things that kind of uh, inspired me. Things that my mind kind of just started thinking about. I would like to share that list with you. Um, As for why I, Richard Doom, enjoy superhero stories. Uh, I believe the first and foremost is they deal with power. Um, Something I was talking to uh, Manfred, uh, my guest from the last uh, podcast that I did. um, I was talking to him and um, basically I realized that power is something that occupies my imagination a lot. I am a white Hispanic man from Southern California. I um, realized that part of the American young male diet, media diet, is um, a whole bunch of power fantasy. Um, We are told, we are trained, we are raised to be strong. And we aren't very often. It, you know, that's part of one of the hard things to reconcile uh, from your childhood media diet to uh, your adult media diet is the um, vulnerabilities inherent within our system. We are told to be, or we, we are instructed to be the rock that which our family, our spouses, our uh, friends can go ahead and lean on. And that's something I very much hold within myself. I feel valuable because other people have told me that they can rely on me, that I have been a strength for them, and that they have been able to rely on me too. And part of the reason 
that I feel not at my best sometimes is because I feel vulnerable and without strength or power. And I realize that uh, um, power is kind of... It's something I avoid talking about because I feel like I sound like a madman when I talk about it because it is a very... I don't know. I feel like obvious thing to go ahead and talk about. You know, some people have power. Some people don't. Some people feel powerful. Some people don't, you know, and that's, you know, it's just kind of a, a sometimes thing, but <laughs> there's, um, I, I feel like maybe it, I, I can't tell if this thought process that I have is, uh, profound or, um, very obvious, uh, because I've never shared it with other people. Because I only share it with myself. And so here we go. We're going to go off of this and we're going to hopefully get some feedback. And people are going to go ahead and tell me, he's like, yeah, obviously, Richard, this is like 101. Like, okay, cool. Now I know. I'll shut up from this point on. But power, we are supposed to be powerful um, as Americans, both men, women, and non uh, binary. Um, we are supposed to be, um, as a man, as a, as a, a cisgendered man, I am in many ways, I have been told that I was supposed to be more powerful than everybody else, than a lot of other demographics. Um, it is kind of one of those things you just take for granted, that you're just... Uh, you know, um, what was it? A conversation I had with my girlfriend once where uh, she was telling me about how she was traveling abroad and uh, she was traveling with some people and they're just like, oh, let's cut through this alley. And she has to think about, no, that's a bad idea. That could be dangerous for me. Whereas me, somebody who's 250 pounds and six foot three, don't really have to worry about to the same degree. And uh, this is something I really liked. This wasn't part of what I wanted to talk about, but uh, one of the things I mainlined on uh, Netflix was uh, Beastars, the animated uh, show on Netflix. And uh, man, that deals a lot with power and a lot with uh, what you are expected to do and what you're supposed to do if you are or are not powerful and how you necessarily cope with that. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's an incredibly horny show, so um, beware or enjoy. Um, teach their own. But um, I, I really enjoyed it. I might want to watch it again when I'm sober. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I turned it on, really liked it, uh, watched it all the way through. I just really liked the idea about how uh, the main character is a wolf who holds back. And isn't that like one of the greatest, like, archetypes we enjoy men like isn't that one of those like oh i'm powerful but i have to hold it back because really i'm a badass but like i have to like blend into the others you know uh and i really like how the show kind of talks about that about it's just like you know why don't you just like don't lie to me don't pretend that you don't have power and he doesn't he's obviously a a man wolf creature um but uh this wasn't supposed to be a summary of b stars um and i will refrain from turning it into such but it's the stuff the, the topic fascinates me power who has it how do you use it and what does it mean to have it or not have it and superhero comics in very blunt style show what that means what does it mean to not have to worry about your safety what does it mean to be so powerful that you can intercede on behalf of other people who are in danger? 
isn't that also like the um, beauty of uh, the Federation? The Federation in Star Trek is constantly um, criticized for being naive idealists uh, who want to come in and play kumbaya and just, you know, make everything be nice. But the undercurrent there always basically like their enemies constantly come at them, whether it's the Romulans or the Klingons or the founders, like they constantly come at them saying, you are weak, we are strong. But the Federation is strong. Like, you know, the Romulans, the Klingons, and the Founders constantly talk a big game. But, like, when they're in private and they're not, like, talking to Federation officers, they're just like, oh, we don't want to we don't, we don't needlessly antagonize the Federation. They're, they're, they're very fucking powerful. It's like, yeah, they are. That is the, like, squared circle. That is how they kind of play with that. And that, that gets touched a lot in DS9, uh, Deep Space Nine. For the uninitiated, uh, the three who listen to this don't know. Um, but they very much talk about what it means necessarily to be that powerful. And still, you know, the, the, the soft power, the influences, even if you aren't necessarily pointing a phaser at somebody, aren't you in some way affecting things or doing things that maybe had unintended consequences? Aren't you, by adopting other civilizations into this kind of homogenized federation where everybody has in essence the same values i mean the difference between the andorians the vulcans and the humans basically chalk up to personality stereotypes Ooh, vulcans are cold Ooh, uh humans are um rowdy like (laughs) but basically they all value intellect they all um value strength but also diplomacy um, just, you know, that diplomacy shows up in different ways, but it is, uh, Deep Space Nine very much talks about like, all right, well, how much of myself do I have to sacrifice to become powerful, to join the Federation and partake in this power and splendor that the United Federation of Planets enjoys? Uh, you know, uh, that's kind of like one of the underlying things thoughts of Roddenberry's Star Trek, uh, even though Roddenberry didn't necessarily participate in Deep Space Nine. He was dead by that point. Uh, rest in peace. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of the unfortunate, I suppose unfortunate aspect of these stories is that you have to be powerful in order to, good or bad, power is the one who decides whether you get that uh, whether you get to do what it is you want. The Federation, with its flaws, is more or less a moral institution, but they're powerful, and they get to stay in existence because they are powerful. It's the same with superheroes. It's the same. They get to have power. And that's one of the things uh, I like about it, superhero comics, is that there is... A randomized element to it. It's narrative. Uh, you know, it's it's like, oh, the random kid gets bitten by a radioactive spider and stuff like that. Oh, these people get born with genetic superpowers or whatever. It's... it. The superhero comics postulate a world in which people can overcome the power structures that they already exist in. The, the, the funny thing is... In a Marvel Comics universe, Peter Parker probably already would have been a very powerful person if he didn't get spider powers. 
He's a brilliant kid. He has super scientist intellect on par with Stark and Mr. Fantastic and T'Challa. And, you know, it, if he didn't get bitten by a spider, he probably would have, you know, taken longer to adulthood to go ahead and reach that level. But he he's already part, he already existed in a system that would have rewarded him for the power the intellect that he has now one of the things i like about spider-man comics in particular is because they are uh this is a a bit of a ripoff of a a cracked video but uh the spider-man universe postulates a universe in which basically uh there are hundreds of super intelligent people everybody who can design their own super suit or superpowers or something like that and then what you do with that is kind of the important part now the spider-man universe doesn't say like oh 50 are evil 50 are good or n- not even that spider-man's the only good one and everybody else is evil the vast majority of them are people just trying to scrape by um a lot of it's like bank robberies and stuff like that they're just like hey um i exist in a capitalist hellhole and uh oh i now have the ability to uh turn into steel so i'm going to use that to kind of throw a wrench into the power structures as, as they are like, you know, what, what would shocker's life look like if he never invented the shocking, uh, the, the gauntlets that he used as weapons? What would, um, let's see what, uh, there are dozens of villains that would have just been crushed by their circumstances. That's, that's generally the, the story when it comes to these villains, Ken and I talked about this in like episode one, but basically how many supervillains are just like, Oh, I can uh, finally get back at the people who ruined me, or I can finally make a better life for myself. I was like, I don't want to like stop petty larceny or something like that. You know, that it, 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 and it, it says something about morality. And that's one of the things I'm going to get to on my rant here about the people who decide to use their power for others. But I don't know if it's necessarily a wrong thing to go ahead and say, like, oh, I have power now. Um, the, you know, the great randomizer. The, the, the reason why superpowers are so uh, endearing to me is, one, it participates in power fantasy, like I mentioned earlier. As a man, um, you know, this is something uh, me and my girlfriend talked about. She's just like, you know, men get to participate, or men enjoy participating in power fantasy. So do women, sure. But... Um, Generally speaking, our media is uh, mostly made up of power fantasies. Uh, Superheroes, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, He-Man. Like, that's that's kind of the the things we got. And I don't know if a lot of us complain about it, because a lot of us enjoyed it. Uh, (laughs) And some of us partake in it well into our 30s. Um, But there's something to be said about the narrative intrigue that can go ahead and happen when somebody gets power when they are quote-unquote not supposed to when uh you know a, a a wage slave who just works at some corrupt company like osborne and stuff like that is uh just oh i have superpowers now oh cool i don't have to do things i don't want to oh i can go ahead and steal like you know that is that's part of the value i see in it that's part of what intrigues me power who gets it how do you use it? How do you use it responsibly in many instances? You know, um, you can go ahead and ding comic books for being um, 
moralistic. Uh, but um, that is um, one of the things I also enjoy about it is that um, it's it can be incredibly sincere. It is, uh, I guess I'm going to go ahead and skip to uh, number five on my list. It is, um, it envisions a world, superhero fiction, envisions a world in which um, good things can happen. There's... Look, I'm an incredibly optimistic person. Why else would I buy three microphones for a podcast I've done seven episodes for? Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, my uh, my father constantly tells me, it's like, you know, you're, you're too cynical. You need to be a little bit more hopeful. And I always respond with, I'm incredibly optimistic. I would be cynical if I didn't think the problems we have had solutions. I know they do. You know, the problems we have are man-made. Um, these aren't... Um, it's not a meteor coming towards us. It's pollution. It's um, a whole bunch of companies uh, taking advantage of the rest of us. It's inequality and segregation and racism. Like, these are things that we can solve. These are things that can and are, in many circumstances, going away. Not as fast as I would like, but they're going away. It is, as with a lot of narrative, truncated. It is a happy ending that I believe... And I was talking to Manfred about this. I do believe we... I, I, I believe it's inevitable. Um, I believe it was um, Oliver um, Philosophy Tube on YouTube. Uh, Oliver Thorne? I think that's his name. Um, but uh, he, I believe it was him who said that uh, progressive idealism, progressive egalitarianism, leftism, whatever uh, you subscribe to, is inevitable. And that is because... We are powered by love, as saccharine as that is. Oh man, I love saccharine. I, I can, you know, overdose certainly, but I love the sincere. Uh, I, absolutely, the the idea of hope and optimism and truth and just like I love that stuff. I love, you know, I I, I make no apologies about it. Uh, you know, truth, justice, the American way. Like it's worth examining what the American way means in a Superman comic, but I. I do believe in big things, and I do believe that they are possible. And I enjoy a story or a season <laughs> that, I don't know, has some cathartic reward for that. Um, it, uh, you know, you, you, you participate in the media that you enjoy. And um, I read the cynical uh, comics here and there, but even in those, I see optimism. Watchmen. You know, Watchmen is uh, infamous for being like basically what started the trend of like dour, cynical comics in the '90s. It's it's dark as hell, as intended. It is meant to um, portray a gloomy realism that um, is present. Absolutely, um, you know, circumstances are there, <laughs> um, but there is a, a, a classical romantic through line at the end of it, isn't there? It's, I mean. Um, the graphic novel is left open-ended, so it's kind of like... And I haven't seen the HBO show, so I don't know to what direction those guys took it. With the character of Dr. Manhattan, there's a, a predeterminism. I can see time, nothing's worth doing, everything is unfolding the way it's supposed to. But I think that there's some optimism in the fact that he was surprised. That he, even he was not all-powerful. Even he could not predict everything and even he didn't necessarily have an answer for everything um when he you know his 
character arc, his climax, is a conversation he has with Silk Spectre on Mars, where he basically has the revelation, which is funny for somebody who saw this revelation coming and deemed it as predetermined, but basically over the course of the conversation with Silk Spectre, it's just like, life is a miracle. Life is uh, something that spawned out of a million or infinite factors to result in who I am, who Manfred is, who Ken is, who all of my listeners are. I don't know, I found that incredibly hopeful, even in such a dour, dark comic as Watchmen. There, you know, um, what is it? Uh, is it Ennis? I think Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis, uh, uh, a writer of uh, some rather famous or infamous um, comic books, uh, Preacher, he is responsible for Preacher, and for some of the um, most psychotic uh, Punisher uh, <laughs> story arcs. They're lovable. I, uh, I love them, truly. But they're incredibly gory. He loves gore. He loves um, a world in which... He, he very easily creates a world in which, like, you know, uh, it can very much be perceived as, like, nihilistic and things are going to go bad and things are going to go bad in, like, humiliating and infinitely spiraling ways. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, he, he uh, I believe, has publicly said that he he doesn't much care for the saccharine and sincere nature of superhero comics, but the guy just can't help but create them constantly. He makes them all the time. What does it say about a guy who thinks that superhero comics are a dead end narratively or artistically, but seems to only create, not only, like, but basically like exclusively create in that medium? Like, I don't know. One, that's just ironic and that's fun. But also, like, even the, like, king of cynical realism is just like, yeah, you know, I, I strapped a cape on this guy and I put a happy ending at the end of it. So, yeah, there was a lot of gross shit in the middle, as is his desire. But, you know, it's sincere. It's happy. It, it's not always happy, but it's, I feel it honest. You know, I believe the cynical fronts we put up, the nihilism, the black-pilled stuff, especially in this day and age, uh, Bernie dropped out, global change, uh, uh, global um, uh, uh, climate change, <laughs> global warming, climate change, is ruining the planet. Uh, we're ruining the planet. But um, I find nihilism to be a front. I feel it to be an out. I will refuse to care about this because caring about it hurts too much. And I find that dishonest. I find sadness and lack of power, powerlessness, to be more honest. Admit that. Admit that you feel vulnerable and powerless and scared for your fellow man and for yourselves and for your families. Instead of saying that none of this bothers me, I'd rather not pay attention, I'm going to go fuck off and do whatever I want. I find that to be more honest. And that's what one of the things that attracts me to superhero comics. They, I mean, don't get me wrong, some of them try really hard to be taken seriously. Um, and some of them deserve to be taken seriously. Absolutely. But, you know, um, that's kind of a conversation about art. And I'll have that conversation maybe another day uh, <laughs> on the podcast, but... You know, the, the, the beauty of art is uh, it's um, a discussion of things that you love with other people who love it, or at least value the same things you value. 
you know um i can talk about comic books with my buddy ryan even though maybe we don't like the same well we do we do like the same comic books this analogy is falling apart but um i can talk to him about comic books because we see value in those stories how they are told and what they are telling us or at least what we're interpreting in them I can go ahead and talk to another person who reads the same comic books and values other things about them. And we can have that conversation, and that conversation means it's art. Highbrow, lowbrow, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation I'll have another day. I, I, I wanted to have it back during the Scorsese stuff, but I was still figuring out this podcasting thing, and uh, I wasn't really on top of it when that happened. But <laughs> that's, that's my two cents. Number two. I mean, I, number two was number five. Now I'm on number three, which is number two on my list. I'm doing great. We're doing fine. <laughs> Sci-fi, superhero comics, stories, fiction. Deal with justice. Specifically criminal justice, generally speaking, because that is, in a lot of ways, a very neat and tidy um, story. It's the reason why there's a million CSIs and um, law and orders. It's because you can very, like easily bookend a story with a crime just the crime is the climax why did it happen and how did it how do you figure out who did it or something like that like their criminal justice is a very neat package to go ahead and just tell multiple stories like you know it, you don't need writers you can go ahead and just pilfer the internet for crime cases that's kind of the fun of it there's an infinite variety of crimes basically and um, how you decide what's right, what's wrong, should it be done, and what should be done about it is conversations that have occupied us for millennia. Um, what does it mean to serve justice? What does it mean to seek justice? I mean, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but then the whole world goes blind. Uh, like, you know, we, these are conversations to be had. And narratively speaking, you know, uh, law and order is a very good example of like, and the answer for that, but it is about law and order. It is about legalism. And, you know, the thing about cop shows and cop dramas and stuff like that, copaganda, if you will, I learned that pun when I became a baby leftist and it stuck with me, uh, shows that basically portray that, uh, the, People who run our criminal justice system are essentially beneficent uh, actors who only want what's best for us and would never abuse their power unless it were for a good reason. Instead of, you know, the shithead you went to college with who is a bit of a bully and just, you know, wears wraparound shades and wants to just beat people up with his gun. Justice is one of those things that I think we all care about, but what it means to each of us is incredibly different. And I enjoy seeing those things played out. I like thinking about it. Do I like thinking about it? Yeah. Yeah, I do like thinking about it. Because <laughs> I, I don't have all the answers. I believe I'm right about a lot of things. And I'm open to having those conversations. But, um, you know, I have some pretty strong convictions. But um, I, I, I believe I'm constantly learning about situations and what it means to what necessarily unbalances those scales and what it means necessarily to balance those scales back 
Um, I don't believe in killing killers. For one thing, um, our justice system is uh, corrupt and inept and a failure through and through. And we lock up people all the time who didn't do the crimes that they went to prison for. So the idea of executing anybody on our basically, what, 50-50 justice system? And if you're black or Latino, like, God bless you. You're like almost certainly fucked. So like, it's, it, it, it's something that is important. And it's one of the things that occupies my mind all the time. And I didn't realize it until I kind of looked at my media diet. And I'm just like, oh, I'm obsessed with this stuff, aren't I? A little bit. And I don't know, it's up to a therapist to go ahead and tell me if that's crazy. But I think we all No, I, I shouldn't make <laughs> sweeping proclamations about uh, you all do it too, right? Right? Um, but yeah, um, justice. I enjoy thinking about it and talking about it. Um, and in that same vein, one of the things I really like about superhero comics... Uh, or stories, uh, fictional stories about superheroes or people with powers in general and stuff like that, is um, there are a lot of un-kind of mentioned and principles of superhero comics. One of the points of Hold No Heroes was to try and talk about that and maybe reinvigorate some of the energy that was there when this medium was created, but has waxed and waned over the decades. You know, a lot of people just like, ooh, Power fantasy. Cool. And that is an entirely valid way and reason to get into comic books. And you could go ahead and care nothing else about it. But um, there's just a lot of other stuff there. And one of those things, one of the um, probably the first and most pressing unspoken principles of a superhero story is that the law is not enough. Every person who extrajudiciously puts on a costume and uses their power to go ahead and seek justice or their version of justice believes that the systems in place right now are not enough to do that. Um, the, uh, spoilers again, uh, season of Arrow I just watched, it, uh, you know, very much talks about how they work hand in hand with the cops and they're like, you know, the fact that you like get along so well with the vigilantes, uh, you know, kind of undermines the police. And then by the, at a certain point, you're just like, yeah, but like, they don't do a good job. They are corrupt. They are weak in essence. And this usually gets to the criticism of superhero stories in general, saying that they're fascistic. Uh, and I don't agree with that. There can be fascistic elements of them. And there are absolutely superheroes that have more fascistic elements than others. But the idea that um, the individual supplanting the many, using your power to exert force on everybody else, um, isn't necessarily inherently <laughs> fascistic. But there are conversations to be had about what that means, about what it means to be like, okay, now you have the power. What gives you the right to do this? Is it your morality. In the case of Barry Allen, he's a very upstanding and moral person. He's never killed a person. He never wanted to kill a person. But what about in the case of Green Arrow, who did kill people and doesn't do it anymore, but shouldn't he pay for those murders? You know, I think the show kind of does a little bit of a hand wavy, like, oh, he got better, like, kind of just like, oh, you know, his penance will be served by, like, 
being the Green Arrow. But I don't know. It's kind. Isn't it a little interesting that that's a judgment he made for himself and his friends? They're just like, okay, sure, you killed a lot of people in season one and two, but um, you know your pe- your your penance, your punishment is gonna uh, be uh, to continue to be free and rich and um, the mayor of the town and. Um, you know, getting everything you want. <laughs> just, it's like, okay. You know, um, that's... And, and um, as for the point of uh, the individual, the idea of the individual supplanting the will of the many, most of these stories are about their interaction with a group of people. You know, even it, it's kind of mundane to say it now, but even the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had Tonto. Like, <laughs> no superhero story is really about a single superhero, even Superman, who is so powerful he doesn't need anybody, but he has a cast of supporting characters that he loves and relies on and goes to for help. Um, it's power is power, absolutely. But there's something to be said about the collective versus the individual. And even superhero comics can't get away from that. Even Bruce Wayne, probably the greatest example of fascistic overreach and authoritarianism in Batman. A rich white guy who beats up poor people as a hobby while extorting millions from his family-inherited company. Has a butler who fixes his costume and makes him sandwiches when he's working. Like... He relies on Alfred. Like, you know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Don't you think? Like, these these characters who are always supposed to be fine, upstanding individuals who are supplanting their the, the will of the people and of the justice system, which, as we've already gone, and if you've listened to this this far, I mean, up to episode, uh, what is this, eight? You know, um, you already hate the American legal system. So, like, you're just like, okay, that is work that needs to get done. Even they are not alone even they are not the individual like it's him and his butler sure but like it's his butler father it's not just a butler if it was just the butler wouldn't it have some like interesting undertones there about just i pay you to keep my secrets like that wouldn't be an interesting story for one but also that's the word that's that's kind of what separates the hero from the villain like the villain just pays minions and just treats them as disposable but the hero is like part of families I mean, Batman has how many surrogate sons and legitimate biological sons? <laughs> like, it's more collective than I think any of us really know. And I went off on a tangent here. And I'm already coming close to an hour. Jesus Christ, I can talk. Yes, to get back to my point here, um, which was that the law is insufficient. Uh, that is the through line between Spider-Man and the Punisher. Justice League and Batman. Like, all of them. Every single one of them is inherently about how the systems we have put in place to protect us and to enact justice on our behalf are not enough. They haven't been enough, and they probably won't be enough. Not until we do something about them. Now, I don't know if uh, there'd be a compelling story to be told about what a more equitable and more just system would look like. I'll get to work on it in my spare time. I have a lot of it these days. But I don't... I don't necessarily know what a more justice is, a more just system looks like. I can just tell you that ours sucks. It fails. It's incredibly biased and authoritarian and punitive. I mean, 
Right now we have a general election going on between Joe Biden, author of the 94 crime bill, who basically locked up a generation of people of color in this country. And there's a reason why, like, almost every black person in this country either has been to prison or knows someone in their family who's gone to prison. And Donald Trump, who on a whim decided to take out a full-page ad in the, what was it, the 90s or the 80s, saying that five black kids should get executed for a crime they were wrongfully accused of. Like, both sides of our two-party system believe that uh, justice means punishment. Instead of analyzing why people do things and maybe encouraging them not to and, like, I don't know, rehabilitating them after they've done that? I don't know. That's a thought. I guess Norway has a good justice system. I'll look more into that. I did a little bit of research into it a while back when somebody... I follow a lot of prison abolitionists. But, um, I mean, from what I've seen of prisons in Star Trek, they kind of just look like summer camp. And I think that's what they got in Norway, too. So that's something. You know, we can just do summer camps. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But those are the things. Those are some of the elements. Power, justice, legalism not being enough. And all of that gets expressed or at least dealt with in the relative safety of fiction. It's kind of what has me coming back. It's um, about good and bad people and people in between who have, like us in life, are victims of our circumstances. Um, of our class. Of our race. Of our sex and our gender. Of our sexuality. It's nice to go ahead and postulate what it would mean to imagine a world in which maybe I have power. What would I do with power? What would, what would we do with power if we gathered together to use that power? What would be the best way to use it? What would be a just way to use it? I mean, it wouldn't be enough to go ahead and break the law, would it? I mean, the law is the arbiter of what is good and right, right? I mean, it's not as like the worst thing in this country has always been things that were legal. Jim Crow, lynching, genocide, internment camps, population removal, slavery, segregation. To be a leftist, to be... Somebody who's aware of American history is to know that we are rife with issues that, depending on your ideology, are systemic or inherent to human sin and souls and suffering. And, I don't know, I find that incredibly defeatist as well. To say that, eh, humans are shitty, deal with it. I don't know. I, I believe the reason why we have systems is to better facilitate the best parts of us and to restrict or temper the worst elements. You know, the, um, theoretically, a democracy would not vote for a racist piece of shit. But we, as I have been reminded on many occasions, we do not live in a democracy. We don't even live in a appropriate approximation of democracy. Most people don't vote. We have the Electoral College, so most people don't have to vote. And the only people who are on the ticket um, have been picked by more powerful people than us. Never mind the fact that money plays such a heavy role in things. So, you know, it's it's power. It's power, baby! Uh, dealing with that can be incredibly draining. And for stories that deal with it in maybe cynical, maybe sometimes saccharine ways, I find that to be alluring. I find that to be rewarding. 
because it's not enough. I don't usually deal in hypotheticals. Uh, you tell me would I take a bullet for somebody. I, if I like them, I'd like to tell them yes. But taking a bullet's a split-second decision. That's reaction. That's a part of your thought processes that can't necessarily go examined. I don't know. What will my instincts do in the moment? I can tell you that sometimes I've jumped into danger and sometimes I've jumped out of it. Sometimes I wish I did the other thing. <laughs> but I don't know. That's the fun part of being human. Not knowing, but still trying your best to want to group up, express solidarity, to lend your power to lift up the weak, or to get power to try and take down the powerful. It's, you know, I always try to refrain from looking at these really important and very serious things as a game, because I think when you do, you kind of lose perspective. You know, you, you don't want to check out. You don't want to be like, this is too much. I can't participate. You know, just full black pill nihilism. But you also just don't want to like go into the, I don't know, Chris Eliza, CNN, MSNBC, like horse race stuff. It's just like, well, uh, the Democrats are currently ahead and the Republicans are not. Oh, the Republicans are now ahead. Like just treating it like a game when really like it's about who goes to prison for life, who gets to get out and commit more crimes to exert their power on other people to fly in the face of justice even though we have systems in place that are supposed to deal with that i don't know what do you guys think send me messages tell me what you think i'm be i would love to hear all your opinions on such things uh if you like superhero comics if you've given any thought to why you like superhero stories or anything like that uh, is it power fantasy is it um you know kind of uh an imagination booster? Is it kind of uh, something that, I don't know, you just find kind of saccharine, cathartic to go ahead and just participate in and not think much about it? Let me know. I would love to hear it. Thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, I'm going to try and produce more podcast episodes. I had one that I've been working on for a bit, and it's been taking me a second. Uh, hopefully I'll get it in a week, maybe. That'd be cool. Wouldn't it? I think. I mean, if you guys don't think. <laughs> All right. I'm being silly now. All right, heroes. I will talk to you next time. Thank you very much for joining me on another Richard Doom rant. Love you guys. Bye.